0: The Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchhoff Building in Martinsburg.
1: And it is Panhandle Live for this 29th day of January, 2024. Broadcasting as always from the Hoppy Courthouse Building here in Martinsburg. Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tyronado we will tell you a little bit more about them as this broadcast goes on. I'm Luke Wiggs, and hello, Stranger. Hey there. Marsha Kavallik's with us.
2: Thanks for having me back in. <laughs> <laughs> Does my voice sound at least a little rested, like over oh, yeah. a week? Isn't Absolutely. it nice? That Absolutely. So.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's good to have you back in the chair, the co-pilot, Marsha Kovalec. And uh, it's good to get back into the swing of things here on Panhandle Live, because as always, Marsha, we've got a busy show.
2: That's right. Um, so our guests, our friends over at the Martinsburg Initiative um, are constantly doing stuff in the community, and they are starting a new eight-week family support group. And here to tell us all about it, group leader Melody Cook. Welcome in.
3: Hi, thank you guys for having me.
2: Thanks for being on. So talk about the Families Strong support group. So
3: the Family Strong support group, like you said, it's an eight-week program. Um, and so we are going to be heading this off for families or individuals who have um, family members or friends who are dealing with substance use and who are looking for some type of way to find connection with those that they might have similar experiences with. So our group is able to um, let these individuals share their experiences with others, really learn tools to help them cope, um, as well as obtain resources for themselves or their loved, um, loved one, and just to be able to give them an outlet where they feel like they can have some connection but also learn some skills as well. Um, so, our group is going to be held starting soon on Tuesdays. Uh, February 6th will be our first meeting, and we'll be running the group through March 26th. Oh, so that's
2: next week, right? It's coming up wow. soon. It's coming
3: up very soon. And we're looking for individuals who still want to participate. Um, You can find information about it on the Martinsburg Initiative's Facebook webpage, um, or you can look around for flyers that are going out in the community. But we do want individuals to sign up because we want to make sure that we have as many people who are wanting our services to be able to obtain them. Um.
2: And so it's an eight-week, not necessarily a commitment, but it's an eight-week course opportunity for Mm -hmm. folks. Um, You've sweetened the pot a little bit because... (laughs) Going to this uh, support group, there are snacks and beverages. And I did I read correctly, a $25 e-gift card for participants?
3: Yeah. So we're actually able to offer, through some grant funding, we're able to offer these incentives for families to come out. Um, So being able to give them the refreshments, everybody likes a treat, right? Mm -hmm. But also those gift cards. In the past, we've done, like, gas gift cards and things like that. Oh,
2: wow. Yeah. So um, how important, in your, you know, experience, is it to have – a support group around someone who's, you know, maybe not in active addiction themselves, but mm-hmm. they're certainly being impacted by it. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, just thinking of ways that we can help to make sure that they're they're building their social support network, um, you know, making sure that you're trying to help someone, um, you know, can, can really take a toll on you um, emotionally. And so some of the things that we talk about in our group are things like self-care and preventing burnout, Um, making sure that people know that, you know, that there's ways that they can help to, um, you know, build what they do have and make sure that they are um, just, you know, finding friends that also are going to understand what it is that they're going through. Who
1: who fits the description for people in this support group? I mean, is it immediate family members, is uh, younger people, teenagers, would they be eligible as well?
3: Absolutely. We've had a mix of a lot of different individuals. Um, So we've had – siblings we've had um, like a mother and daughter pair actually we've had friends we've had actually even um, ex-partners to where they were you know still having their their kids together and she still very much cared about this individual Um, and so you know loved one can be your family it can be a friend it can be anyone that you just really care about Um,
2: even if the person isn't living in your home with you
3: even if the person's not living in your home with you absolutely
2: what kind of, you know, for those of us who aren't really, you know, in this kind of circle, what what kind of effect can it have having someone in, in your immediate family or someone you love very deeply in the throes of addiction like that?
3: Uh, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings. A lot of times people might feel a sense of um, guilt, like maybe they felt like they didn't do everything that they could do. Um, they, they have a sense of anxiety surrounding, um, you know, the the stigma that's attached to knowing that their their loved one is going through this, they might not feel like they can reach out to people that they do have in their lives because they're they're worried about what they might think or what they might say, um, and then also there's the fact that many times people are struggling with um, the financial burdens of this too, and and how to kind of navigate that
2: as well. What does that look like?
3: Um, you know, it can look different for a lot of people. Um, you know, sometimes we we work with families who maybe they're. You know they're they're working long- term. They're taking care of the family and all that that entails with the household. and maybe their loved one is is having a hard time. and And they need someone to help to kind of understand what it is that they're going through, um, kind of on the flip side of trying to hold everything together when it feels like everything might be falling apart at the same time.
2: Our guest this morning is Melody Cook. She's from the Martinsburg Initiative. and she's the group leader of a new uh, family support group. It's called Families Strong. What, what do you, how do you facilitate a group like that? Is this going to be a lot of folks just kind of talking amongst themselves or are you interspersing, look, we've got resources for that?
3: Well, it's actually a great mixture of both. So we do have a curriculum that we follow, the Family Strong curriculum. So it has all of the information that we go over from week to week, um, different handouts and things like that. But also a lot of it is kind of led by the individuals and what kind of, um, you know, what they want to get out of the group. So there's plenty of time for them to process amongst each other the the information that we go over, but also to have those conversations amongst themselves to to be able to, um, you know, chat about whatever's going on in their lives.
1: Well, what kind of feedback have you gotten or expect to get from something like this? Because you mentioned, you know, stigmas. A lot of people in this instance is just kind of want someone to listen, almost like vent, if you will. Mm. I mean, people feel a little bit relieved after going through a process like this, that just that somebody is willing to listen to them talk about the struggles of this.
3: Sure, I would say the participants we've had in the past, they maybe were a little hesitant at first, you know, it takes some time to open up. Um, once going through the the weekly meetings, um, we had several of them say that they really found that um, they felt better about what was going on in their life because they, they were given these tools, they were talking about self-care, almost every week we were talking about what they could do for self-care. I'm um, kind of having this light bulb moments of, you know, I went for a walk this week and I was able to be mindful and I was able to just get out into nature and I, that helped me feel better. And, um, you know, sometimes we need those reminders that there's things that we can do um, to help our our situations. We
2: week. we know that the Martinsburg Initiative uh, exists to obviously help out the whole community, but also to prevent addiction and, mm-hmm. and this kind of disorder from continuing through generations. Mm-hmm. How important is it? To, um you know talk to folks who are in these family units and nip some of this at the bud so that um, you know they've got the tools to keep this from festering further generations. This is so
3: important. The impacts that the Martinsburg Initiative is able to have on families um, is really is short term and a long term. Um, you know, we are building resiliency with families. Um, we're building resiliency with children. Um, so even with what we're doing in the schools with being able to meet children where they're at, you know, whether they have something, um, you know, substance abuse related at home going on or maybe some other behavioral or family environmental challenges, um, being able to help teach them those coping skills to be able to deal with the hardships of life and, you know, how to how to move forward um, and, and bring strength in that is is what is ultimately going to be very beneficial when it comes to avoiding um, The use of substances in the future.
2: And there are two new social workers that are funded through the Martinsburg Initiative that are going to be hitting the ground and and helping out.
3: Yes, very exciting. We have two police social workers actually within the Martinsburg Police Department who are um, going to be hitting the ground running. They're going to be meeting individuals in the community as well as being a resource to officers as well.
2: So can you reset the event because the flyer says time to be determined?
3: (laughs) Yes. So the time to be determined is because we wanted to make sure that we could offer a time slot that was most beneficial to our participants. So the QR code that is on the flyer, which is also found as a link on Facebook, will be able to bring up the opportunity for them to select which time frame um, would be the most beneficial to them. And so we're going to go with um, the time frame that most of the individuals decided on. Um, in their evening hours, so like the earliest is like five p.m. and the latest I think is like six thirty. All
1: or... right, guest this morning has been Melody Cook. Anything else you want the listeners to know before we have to let you go?
3: Spread the word. We we want individuals. We know our community has this need. Um, so if you know anyone who you think might be a fit for this group, please share our information um, and let them know that it is completely free. They get refreshments, and it's just a, a good way for them to to build connection with community members. Plus a gift card. And a <laughs> gift card. Who doesn't love a gift card? All right. Well,
1: thank you very much for coming in and giving us the time this morning.
3: Thank you very
1: much. All right. We've uh, got to break to take. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. We're on the street for Litter Free 24. Here comes a man, bag in hand, ready to score. Oh, it's off the rim. He's Okay. No, wait. He picks it up. Shoots again. It's in. And the street stays litter-free in 24. Let's take a timeout for the Littergram of the day.
0: Dirty fact. West Virginia spends more than $1 million annually to remove litter from state highways. The items most found during litter cleanups are fast food wrappers. The second most often found are aluminum beer cans, followed very closely by soda cans.
4: Brought to you by Berkeley County Solid Waste Authority, WV Litterbusters, and REAP.
0: You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs.
1: Welcome back to Panhandle Live here on WEPM and WCST. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home full service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online to at countryroadstire.com today we'd always love to get your comments 304-263-4321 you can text us and I'm very interested as we kind of transition into a little bit of a busy news cycle if any of our listeners was able to uh partake in the new garage on King that opened over the weekend Ooh. I went on Saturday Did you? What did it you? It was know? fantastic. What I'm did very you have? I uh I have to look up the name of the restaurant, but I got a really good Italian sandwich from one of the the, the restaurants and a pepperoni roll empanada that was life-changing. And I know <laughs> I know, I will be back. Um, and it was cool to see, um, you know, through the, the, the magic of the relationships you build with radio, Diego Lozada, who's the developer, and we'll mm-hmm. hear from him here in just a couple of moments, was there from dawn to dusk, basically, was running wow. around talking about when I spoke to him about 6, 6.30 that evening, he had said that, He had expected there were already over 2,000 sales made that day. Wow. For the eight restaurants, along with the bar that's there as well... They had some live music. It was a really, really cool atmosphere. So let's listen back to that interview, uh, a portion of it with the Lozado, Out of the Developer, and let's start by hearing him explain how the idea got started. I
5: first bounced the idea with my team and my wife, and they're like, "Downtown Martinsburg?" And and I said, "Well, you know, I studied the market. I I, I went and analyzed what people." What people in our area five minutes away, fifteen minutes away, thirty minutes away. And we have three hundred uh, thousand people thirty minutes away that seldomly come downtown Martins. We gotta and, give them a reason. Yeah.
1: And uh, he explained some of the menus and the robust menus of the the eight restaurants that are there. And there was science and art to put Yeah. So we
5: have all we we've explored Main Street Martinsburg, did a phenomenal job last year with a with a survey of what the people are calling for. We have from a barbecue and kind of your pulled pork, and all the way through South American uh, empanadas that many people have not known. And then we have Asian fusion, and then we have soul food, and then we've brought also something that's hard to find in in Martinsburg and many many miles around, which is the New Orleans style cooking and your right. gumbo and your and and your jambalayas.
1: So it was a, a really interesting experience. You walk in, you've got the restaurants kind of there in a line. You can uh, scan a QR code, check the menus for each, place orders for each. There was live music. There was a bar. There was plenty of seating, indoor and outdoor, which I'm sure is going to be. We sat outside. Right. The weather was nice enough this weekend. Um, I'm excited. I'm sure you're excited at okay, some point absolutely. to check it out as well, Marcia.
2: And uh, you know, our friend uh, of the program, Tra- Travis Bishop, has a little stand there as well, restaurant there as well. Um, so you get all the, the familiar, the barbecue, um, how, uh, you know, forward thinking is this? Because with the development that's going on in the old uh, mill, mm. uh, bringing, you know, 400 plus units, pot- uh, potentially, uh, if you have apartment dwellers uh, that want to just walk to a place and and have an evening out and then walk back, um, it's it's perfectly situated for that.
1: It, it is, and the Wi-Fi, from what I understand there, is great. Like I said, plenty of seating. It kind of has that, and there is a coffee shop there, that coffee shop vibe where you can sit down and, and do some work. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like a, a student union in college oh, where you have okay. all That's the restaurants yeah. around and kind of that communal area. And he brought up something interesting, did Diego Lozada, when he said that, You know, there's over 300,000 people that live within 30 minutes of downtown Martinsburg. And, you know, those of us that work here, we have plenty of reason to go down there. But you think about people from Hagerstown or down in Winchester, Mm -hmm. you know, there are needs or there needs to be reasons to bring people up to Martinsburg and have businesses for them to go to. And that's a really unique. Experience and I, I thought it was funny. He said at the end of the interview, you know, how often is it as a dad or a mom? It's okay. you know, what do you guys want to eat for dinner tonight? Everything,
2: different, exactly. Different, everything different.
1: Well, turn them loose at the garage, on um, King.
2: You know, we used to have uh, for about twenty years a mall here and mm. with a food court, and uh, of course, um, you know, Angelo's uh, had had a, a pizza and you know deli emporium there as well, and it was a place um, you could go and get all these different things to eat, and your family could just you know coalesce back at a table and eat. Um, like you said, I like that, uh, you know, comparison to a student union. Everyone kind of picks what they want to get. Then they can still all sit and enjoy dinner together. And and it's, it's so walkable from yeah. many places in downtown Martinsburg.
1: Now I will say it's a little bit of a cop-out because I told Diego I was going to try an empanada because I'd never had one before. And I went with the the pepperoni roll one. The safe one. So oh, it was fantastic. But next Again, time you can be adventurous. Exactly. They had like a like a a chicken one. There's some beef. Uh, I think Daniel Woods had a a brisket one that was really good. Well, they won your trust. Absolutely. I will be be back. Believe me. I I absolutely will be back.
2: (laughs) Maybe that's where we need to have our next like production meeting.
1: I'm here for it. I'm absolutely. Listen, don't, you don't have to give me an excuse to go there now that I know it's going to be quite the place downtown and a really cool space. If you go back and listen to the interview as well, he talked about the history of the garage and, you know, keeping it uh, locally owned businesses and the plans for that event in the future. Now, uh, a seamless transition to something that uh, you know, draws a lot of attention, and that's the FAFSA. And I'll tell you this, Marcia. I went through college without ever having to acknowledge the FAFSA because my mom was so good at filling it out.
2: I have one more season of FAFSA <laughs> with my my college student who I hope comes home this weekend. Um, maybe we can work on it then. But uh, I dread it every year, and I shouldn't, but that's just that's a me thing. But this year, um, you know, we we didn't get to get to it uh, right. yet. It's usually rolled out in October, and now it's not even you know available full fully yet. It's a soft rollout, um, and you know, of course, we had Jacob Witt on. Uh, you guys talked to him from Shepherd University, and he was very gracious about it. But obviously, this is causing a lot of the colleges to scramble.
1: Right. So you know, as you mentioned, colleges and universities across uh, the U.S. are planning FAFSA days coming up beginning this February 1st, which is uh, Thursday of this week, if I'm not mistaken. It's
2: crazy that it's next month already.
1: <laughs> and, and this year there are more challenges uh, than normal with the federal financial aid process. Uh, the form is typically available by October 1st uh, of each year, but this year it's uh, only available right now as a soft launch because of the changes to the form. And like you mentioned, uh, it's causing some some concern for those and those changes. And we had that interview with Shepard University Director of Financial Aid, Jacob Witt, and uh, he talked about in the long term, despite the fact that there's some changes that are going to concern some people right away, uh, it should be less of a hassle to complete once people understand the changes. The changes that
6: the Department of Education is doing to the FAFSA is making it easier for students and parents to fill it out mm-hmm. uh, with less data and it make, just making it easier.
1: And uh, he says the delay of getting the New Look FAFSA out is uh, pushing back a a couple of other things.
6: The delays from the changes that are being made are delaying financial aid packages that we're sending out to first-time students. For instance, last year we got our financial aid packages out in December before the Christmas break. And this year we're looking at a mid-February, and that's only if everything lines up
1: And he says the state has responded to this by moving back the deadline for a couple of key financial aid programs.
6: It used to be April 15th for the West Virginia Higher Education Grant. They have now pushed it to May 1st. Then there's the West Virginia Promise Scholarship, the application and the FAFSA extended to May 1st when the deadline used to be March 1st.
1: So, again, that was Jacob Witt, the conversation we had with him, the Shepard University Director of Financial Aid. You can find that interview uh, along with uh, many other interviews podcasted um, on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. Um, and, again, more to get through through the cycle. Like I mentioned, it was, uh, it was interesting to see people. Again, I didn't have to deal with the FAFSA necessarily uh, in college. Special shout out to Laura Wiggs. Um, but uh, again, <laughs> um, we appreciate Jacob Witt coming on and uh, explaining a little bit more about uh, the, the the situation there with the FAFS. So. And um, there's
2: a there's there's another regional story. I just want to direct your attention to. You can go to panhandlenewsnetwork.com. dot com. Hagerstown Police have identified a homicide victim from um, Friday, and uh, they do say that it is an isolated, targeted incident. Uh, gunshot wounds. And um, the public is not at risk, but you can read more about that at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Also about the flooding that's happening. There. More than an inch, it was about an inch and a half that uh, Shepherd Field registered of rain overnight from uh, Saturday night into Sunday here. And, of course, the usual suspect Henshaw Road, was closed mm-hmm. down and... Um, Yo, packing got got a little wide in some spaces. So go over to panhandlenewsnetwork.com.
1: We will continue to update that story and more. Our news product will feature at the top of every hour from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. and you can find more in articles at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we'll have another edition of the Metro News Capital Report, um, and we'll have uh, we'll set the table for Hoppy's show coming up here in just a couple of moments. Uh, texter says, "Welcome back, Marcia. Oh, thank uh, you. But they were not able to get in the door at the garage on King. There was a what? guy hand counting when I was out there. Well, and, you know, fire
2: codes. I'm yeah, sure. exactly.
1: And, well, that and, um, and the parking situation was pretty crazy. You know. Oh, uh, I hadn't thought of that. It was it was pretty wild. My dad uh, was in town over the weekend with my sister. They wanted to come with me to the the garage as well. And we circled the block a uh-huh. couple of times before we found the parking space." Um, which is a good thing you know having that much traffic downtown is uh, is certainly going to be a good thing and i think the garage of king is going to do a lot uh to propel future business
2: absolutely well hopefully it well i'm not saying hopefully it'll die down but hopefully you know when it's not the right. grand opening weekend it'll be a little easier for the locals to kind of get you know for for a weekday lunch <laughs> absolutely. you know because that sounds great
1: yeah I, I, like i said they, they've got my vote i will be back several times We've got a break to take when we return. Our next guest will be joining us in studio. You're not going to want to miss that interesting conversation (laughs) as it is Panhandle Live. Finally, West Virginia is moving in the right direction. As
4: your West Virginia Senate President, Craig Blair has passed the most conservative legislative agenda in the nation. He has fought for our values, like banning elective abortions, protecting our Second Amendment rights, and prevented boys from playing in girls' sports. Senator Craig Blair championed the largest tax cut in the history of our state. Craig Blair, a strong conservative leader. Promises made, promises kept. This election, vote for Republican Craig Blair for state Senate. Paid for by the committee to
0: re-elect Craig Blair. We're talking about the issues that matter most
1: to you. Now,
0: back to Panhandle Live.
1: Welcome back to Panhandle Live here on WBPM and WCST. As mentioned previously, Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you. And Martinsburg and Hedgesville online to a countryroadstire.com today. Coming up in just a couple of moments, the Metro News Capital Report will set the lineup for Metro News Talk Line. Hoppy Kirchival back on the scene as I'm Luke Wiggs, Marsha alongside our next guest. I've seen this guy around once or twice, Marsha. That's right. He's I'm familiar <laughs> with him. I'm familiar with his work. I feel really weird being <laughs> in this chair. Here is it's a a guess. different perspective. Oh, yeah. is he
2: illiter- literally sitting in a different seat, too, mm-hmm. than he did last week? Thank you, Clint Gage, for coming in and doing all the things you do. You co host the show. You did the news product in the morning so I could be off last week. I really appreciate that.
4: No problem.
2: But now today, you're here. As a guest.
4: Yeah, my day job. Yeah, T- talking so, about my day job.
2: So, of course, the legislature is in session right. and um, folks from all kinds of places come down there and get their ear about a lot of stuff. And you were down in Charleston last week when you weren't hosting right, and doing right. news here, um, talking about agritourism.
4: Well, yeah, it was, uh, I was out in uh, Charleston for West Virginia Tourism Day. So, the whole capital was decked out in. Uh, tables from different counties, farms, a uh, little bit of everything, and then while I was out there, I set up several meetings with some of the legislators, uh, some of the legislators themselves, uh, to talk about our show, Culinary Concerts, which focuses on agritourism, uh, which is now Luke. When we were talking about it, you didn't really even know what agritourism was. Is that correct? don't yeah. know. Okay, well, agritourism is basically a way of bringing the economic development, uh, economic uh, forces from, say, uh, the city out to the rural area uh, and doing it directly. So a farmer, uh, they may have hay rides, corn mazes. Uh, uh, you pick where you come out and you pick your own cherries. Like or oars. Your, or so exactly so farmer like, market uh, is an example. Exactly, exactly like horse farmer mar- farmers market. Uh, so what we're trying to do is is kind of develop that um, that tourism angle uh, throughout the state to to draw people from out of state or even regionally to try different things, go to different farms, um, and really uh, kind of engage with their food. And it's all part of that uh, you know food to table movement anyway, right. where you're really trying to keep your um, your food, uh, your, you know, the food that you enjoy, keeping it local. Mm-hmm. And uh,
2: what better way than to support your local producer?
4: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, 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 it's, why, it's, is,
2: it's, why is this important to you?
4: Well, it, you know, it really wasn't years ago. It wouldn't have been something that I thought about. Um, however, I started working on the television show, Culinary Concerts. Uh, my wife and I started producing the uh, this series and the more you're out there the more you realize just what an impact uh agritourism can have on a local farm in many cases you know my great uh, my grandparents were uh, my great grandparents were farmers and they wouldn't have relied on agritourism they would have relied on the sale of the 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 uh you know their goods
2: mm-hmm.
4: but we are getting to a point where the expense of Managing your farm versus what you can charge because the market will dictate, you know, how much you can get for your corn. And or, the big
2: box efficiencies. Exactly.
4: You're, you're up against these corporate mega farms that can outprice you. Uh, so what we've what we kind of learned was that um, agritourism is kind of becoming that extra leg to keep local farms in business and to keep them um, viable, mm.
1: Well here regionally are are you hearing you know from lawmakers that what makes the Eastern Pain Handle unique is Baltimore natives DC natives congested city you know day to day have the opportunity on a weekend to go to right. a, a kind of more of a rural area like you mentioned to to pick their own strawberries or blueberries or things like that and experience a a kind of more rustic and rural experience that is less than an hour away from Right and then the, they can get right back to exactly, their city right exactly. right
4: Uh, Yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, Agritourism, a big part of agritourism are the, you know, daycations where, you know, you don't have time to necessarily, you're not going to go to the Bahamas on a day. (laughs) What you might do is go, hey, you know what? It's a beautiful Saturday. Let's get the kids in the car and let's go out to Orr's Farmer's Market. Let's go uh, pick our own fruit. Let's uh, see maybe a band because they they have music Mm -hmm. at Orr's. You know, let's pick up a homemade pie (laughs) And and take it home, um, that's a beautiful thing for the Eastern Panhandle. A lot of what I was talking about with the legislators was how to kind of grow that statewide, how to help in city, you know, in counties that are a lot further away from um, city uh, mega centers. Mega yeah, mega centers. Yeah. And some of
2: it is the just the marketing when you have a lot of visitors come into a place downstate like Huntington or Charleston. And they, they don't know what's around, right? Um, but but they see billboards or something in their hotel that says, "Hey, a quick thirty minute drive over means you guys can have you know a little pumpkin patch experience, right? You right. Know, while you're in town,
4: yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's it really is. It, it's a very wholesome you know experience. You're you're engaging with nature, but you're also doing it in a way that you are uh, directly impacting. Uh, local communities and local farmers, and you're helping to keep those farms sustained. We need them. Yeah. Well, and it's a whole way of life that'll disappear if we don't support
1: that. So, what can be done by legislature? What were some of those takeaways?
4: Well, a lot of the things we were talking about was ways to find uh, sponsors for our, our show uh, for uh, uh, PBS, which um, got picked up nationally, which changes the the uh, the mathematics a little bit. Mm. Uh, But we're uh, a lot of what we were talking to about uh, with them was uh, what farms should we uh, be looking at for season two? Uh, Where should we be? uh, What should we be thinking about out of the box? Are there experiences that we aren't thinking as traditional farms that maybe we need to? Uh, A lot of different things like that is what we were what I was talking about. We we met with uh, I met with uh, uh, Delegate Clark, Delegate Howell um senator swope uh uh saw senator bartlett for a few minutes but not very long <laughs> and uh senator chapman so we we spoke with quite a few legislators while we were there you weren't
2: necessarily from the eastern Panhandle. so right right because we're, we're
4: our show is 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 based we, we got picked up nationally so it's uh distributed nationally at this point our focus we still want to keep our focus on west virginia but we can't keep it just regional Eastern mm-hmm. Panhandle. We did feature Oars Farm in season one, well, uh, and can, that was a lot of fun.
1: Can you expand on that then? So season one's in the book, season two, you're starting to prepare. Talk a little bit about what people experience if they haven't seen the show before, what season one was kind of like, and the places that you got to got to go explore.
4: Sure. well, uh, we went all over the uh, the state. Uh, one of the one of the really the coolest experiences was going out and filming at uh, j q. Dickinson, mm-hmm. Salt Works out near Charleston. And uh, I mean, they are they're pulling up salt from an ancient ocean bed underneath uh, West Virginia, which wow. is just so cool. And we got to watch the entire process uh, and we filmed the whole process. And it's
2: like dirty jobs almost.
4: <laughs> well, what what's fascinating about it is you're, you're seeing the salt get made and we could see it in each stage That's as so it was cool. going. And, uh, you know, so what we do in the show is we visit a farm. Find a uh, an item, a what the product is going to be. Like one episode was lamb, one episode was you know maple sugar, uh, one episode was salt, and we wanted to see how to use that. And then our chef and host, Marion, uh, he just kind of goes without a plan. There's no recipe; he's just winging it. We bring it in a regional band, and we have the band perform. And then afterwards, he breaks bread with the, uh, the band, with the, whatever he made.
2: That's so cool. And
4: we, what we had it in, if you had told me that one of my favorite, longest lasting flavors in my mouth that I would have for, I mean, I can still taste it three years later. He made lamb with maple sugar cotton candy. Oh my goodness! And it was
1: divine.
2: It's like Easter right
4: there That's one right of those things that you, you take
1: the first bite and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be tasting right, right now, but I know it's great. <laughs> well,
4: and there, you know, he made an, he made another staple because another episode was tomatoes. He made a staple that was uh, uh, cold tomato pie, hmm. and I thought, oh my god, that just does not sound appetizing <laughs> whatsoever. But you know, hey, you do you.
2: How did well, you find this guy?
4: Oh, Chef Marion. We uh, were put in touch with him. We met him about three or four years ago through the USDA. We had this idea for the show and they said, well, you know, who you need to talk to is Marion MK is going to be a fantastic host. So we met with uh, MK and our, we, we just, we just, we fit. Everything clicked. clicked. He has, he has a great outlook. His outlook is that if he's making you a meal, like a five, six, seven course meal, if you like everything that he's put down on the table, He's probably not doing his job right mm. because his job is to challenge you oh. and give you new flavor profiles that you would never think of. Uh, a blueberry hard boiled egg.
2: I'm down for that. Uh, my Let's son loves Let's those. let do that. Uh,
4: but he made this, he made that tomato pie and it just did not look like something I wanted to eat. But I, being the producer of the show.
2: You gotta eat it.
4: I am going to at least try it. Uh huh. And I tried it and it was fantastic.
2: Okay. So burying the lead wise. Um, being picked up nationally, what does that mean for the product?
4: Uh, well, it just it means that we have a large audience. The show is doing fantastic, in, of all places, L.A. Hmm. Well, and yeah, I,
1: well, that is makes that, sense. Is that not another example of someone in a major metropolitan area that yeah. is yearning for the opportunity to experience, whether in person or on television, Absolutely. a yeah. rural experience?
4: We're 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 in a, we've got a, the show is now in eighty nine million homes, and wow. we are on the app. Uh, the app has uh, twenty five million. Uh, Individual users, so it's the show is really doing well. South Carolina and North Carolina. South Carolina, I believe, has aired the show in its entirety, like all six episodes, twelve times.
1: It, is the uh, are the episodes streamable through through the? Uh, app?
4: Yes, they're on the PBS app. Okay, and yeah. then
1: uh, what what's the timeline for season two? Then
4: see, well, right now we're working on that and trying to find sponsors that uh, that will benefit. Because I, you know, one of the challenges you have is that uh, I know advertisers who would be interested. How ever they don't have the budget or the need for Mm -hmm. national advertising so because they sell regionally so there's no Mm -hmm. so what we're right now looking for is uh we're looking for sponsors who have a need for national advertising and would benefit from national advertising because we want it to be a win-win mutually beneficial relationship
2: very cool so um takeaways from the legislative session do you really feel as though this might get some legs and I
4: got the impression that everyone at the legislature cares about making sure that we are taking care of our rural communities. Um, I, I really did get the the feel that it was important to all of them. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had a, a, a wonderful time talking with a lot of different folks uh, from a lot of different counties who were all, you know, eager to share their story and keep their counties
1: moving. Our guest this morning, local filmmaker, documentarian, uh news anchor, co-host, father, football fan, etc. Uh, we appreciate you giving us the time. For people that are interested, when uh, it gets closer to Season 2, I'm sure we'll have you back on. Oh, uh, sounds where, where can they have find more information about the, the details of Season 1 and when Season 2 is on the horizon?
4: Uh, I believe culinaryconcertstv.com. Awesome.
1: Very good. Well, thank you for coming in. Thank you. <laughs> We've got a break to take, and we'll wrap up the show on the other side on Panhandle Lab. You're
0: listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley
1: Springs. Welcome back, Noel segment of Panhandle Live here for this Monday edition of the show. We've got Hoppy Kirchville standing by with another edition of Metro News Talkline, of course, focusing heavily on the state legislative session. Let's get to Monday's Metro News Capital report. This is the Metro News Capital Report, brought to you by AARP
0: West Virginia. AARP is your ally for real possibilities in the mountain state. Connect on social media at AARPWV or learn more at AARP.org
7: slash WV. Today's report in 60 seconds aarp is your ally for real possibilities in the mountain state a wise friend and fierce defender for everyone in west virginia as you get older with nearly 230,000 members and communities in all 55 counties aarp is working every day for you we have financial tools and health guides to help make sure the good things in your life live as long as you do we're working to protect your hard-earned money sharing tips and tools to help you spot frauds and scams At the same time, AARP is advocating on behalf of West Virginians 50-plus and their families at the state capitol. Every day, we're supporting family caregivers and fighting for things like lower prescription drug prices and ensuring access to home and community-based services. Everyone in the Mountain State needs someone in their corner. That someone is AARP. For more information, connect with us on social media at AARP West Virginia or find us online at AARP.org WV.
8: The House of Delegates has seven bills up for third and final reading during its floor session that begins at 11 this morning. One of those would require the State Division of Highways to place signage 30 days before a road closure. Over in the Senate, the calendar includes five bills on third and final reading. One of those five would exempt West Virginia veterans from certain fees and charges at state parks. The Senate floor session also begins at 11 o'clock today. When he filed for office last Friday, Don Blankenship was quick to take credit for the Republican majority in the
1: legislature. I think I made that possible over the last uh, 20 years since 2004 when we first uh, elected uh, a Republican to the Supreme Court in West Virginia for the first time in, I guess, 80 years at that time. So uh, the right to work law, the uh, tax reductions, uh, uh, the less litigious business climate and so forth have allowed uh, business people to get elected in West Virginia and to make a difference.
8: Blankenship is running as a Democrat in the U.S. Senate race. Back at the Capitol now, the House and Senate Finance Committees continue their budget hearings today. The State Transportation Secretary, Jimmy Wriston, will be before the House Finance Committee. I'm Jeff Jenkins on Metro News the voice of West Virginia.
1: Thank you, Jeff, and we'll be hearing from Jeff throughout the rest of the legislative session in the Capitol Report every day. You can also find that at wvmetronews.com with articles from this legislative session as it is underway. You heard the voice of Don Blankenship there. Uh, and his conversation about what he's done for the West Virginia Republican Party. Well, he is going to be the top guest on Metro News Talk Line today, but it's not an R that's next to his name as he's running this time, is it, Marsha?
2: He announced that he's running as a Democrat. <laughs> and if you if you read Brad McElhaney's piece in Metro News, uh, it, it was kind of an interesting header on that. <laughs> uh, Don Blankenship will run as a Democrat. Democrats say yuck. <laughs> 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 that was Brad's or whoever, editorial, whoever put the, the header up. Um, That was kind of interesting. But he always has a very interesting take. It's always a very interesting interview when Don Blankenship comes on. He's got his perspective and I'm sure he's got his supporters. uh, So, you know, again, won't that make this year? the election cycle, even more interesting.
1: It will, of course, run for that seat vacated by Senator Joe Manchin. And he's going to be the first guest on Metro News Talk Line coming up here at 10.06. Uh, at 10.20, it'll be Delegate Jim Butler, who is proposing the original resolution to close the GOP primary election beginning in May. Um, the executive committee did amend that so it would begin in 2026. Which closing. gives people
2: a little chance to prepare. But, you know, it's interesting to hear... And this is why it's so valuable to hear all these different opinions. You know, some of the folks in the old guard of the party saying, look, this we can tell that this um, affected some some primary elections, some contested primary elections in the past. We'd like to close ranks.
1: Absolutely. And uh, of course, Brad McElhaney is also going to join today via Skype at 1045 and uh, Matt Heritage or Heritage, excuse me, the new chairman of the West Virginia GOP, is going to join at 11.06, another edition of Metro News Talkline, Jonathan Savage as well, uh, from Fox News.
2: Talking about those overnight drone strikes in Northeast Jordan, and uh, we know three service members were killed. Yeah. That number of casualties might increase, though.
1: Yeah, I know the, the, the list of the injured was in the 20s, and as you mentioned, three servicemen lost their lives. Of course, our thoughts, and for those inclined, our prayers are with their family. And then uh, finally on the show, didn't get to talk about this much today. Tony Caridi will join at 11.45. The WVU men's basketball team losing to Oklahoma State is uh, a, a tough taste, I'm sure, in Mountaineer fans' mouths over the weekend. But the same cannot be said, Marsha, for Marshall, um, as we were talking during the break, mm-hmm. there is a great article that uh, you can find on our social media pages and at News.com written about one Miss Abby Beeman. That's right. Who is a graduate of Frankfurt High School and then, of course, began her collegiate career at Shepard. Before transferring down to Marshall, she scored 2,000 career points.
2: That's so cool. Isn't and as someone incredible? who's, um, you know, uh, a little short herself, I really can appreciate the fact she's got a lot of scrap in her. Yeah, five That's foot four. Awesome.
1: Abby Beeman, continues to be one of the top rebounders in all of college basketball. And uh, we had an interview with her on Pain Handle Sports Live. You can find that episode podcasted.
2: One more thing on Hoppy Show 1133, State Division of Motor Vehicles Commissioner Everett Frazier is going to be talking about a new option for motorists to keep their vehicle registration and driver's license in digital form on their phone. Hmm. Brave new world.
1: Interesting. This, in the this new State. electronic era that we live
2: in. You know, I'm just, it's just uh, full of amazements. <laughs> it really is.
1: Well, as always, you can text us 304-263-4321. Any comments that you want to make on the air? Like I said, I'd love to enlist some comments if anybody got to check out the new garage on King. I got to see it on Saturday. It was full, and that's great to see. And I'm sure it's going to be a hot spot of activity in business and good eats Uh, over the next couple of years here in Martinsburg and we appreciate uh, the developer Diego Lozada giving us the time. We played some of his interview Earlier in today's show, but you can find that complete uh, show podcasted from Friday.
2: Also, I just want to mention, of course, the candidate filing deadline was Saturday. If you are part of a candidates, um, you know, you know, circle and you want to get them on with an interview, we've been covering some of the candidates that have announced. We'd love to have you on to bring those, um, you know, stump speeches right here to our listeners on Panhandle Live.
1: And it's funny. uh, There was a rumor that was started. That we were waiting to see whether or not it was going to pick up momentum. It actually started in the in college basketball circles, removed from West Virginia University. That one, Mr. Bob Huggins was going to put his candidacy in for governor. Oh, uh, and uh, we have come and gone, and that that filing has not happened. So, okay. if if Bob Huggins is going to run for higher office, it will not be in this election.
2: Okay, well, wow, <laughs> that would have talk about a colorful election season. Yeah, that w-
1: that was a, a rumor that started, and it wasn't West Virginia natives that did. And all of a sudden we were like, whoa, that would be what if, what if then? That, that would really oh. set things off. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, for those of us that would be interested in the entertainment value, not necessarily the politics of it, uh, he did not fall at file. So we, we lived to fight another day without Bob Huggins as our governor. We live to fight another day with Nick Saban not moving back to WV. And, uh,
2: I don't think he would have had the window of time. <laughs> he like, would not know, have. But uh, there's always 2026.
1: 20, there's always there's always the next you cycle. You sound
2: so hopeful about that. <laughs> Let the man retire. Doesn't he enjoy – You know, why would he – okay, never mind. <laughs> Let the man retire.
1: Well, that's going to do it for us. Another edition of Panhandle Live. If you missed any of part of today's show, it's going to be podcasted coming up here in just a couple of minutes on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. We appreciate Melody Cook. From the Martinsburg Initiative giving us the time and of course our own Clint Gage um, he, we appreciate uh, the work that he's doing talking about agritourism and a really interesting conversation uh, again you're going to be able to be able to listen to these interviews in their entirety on our Panhandle News Network Spotify and stay tuned you got another edition of Metro News Talk Line that comes your way at the top of the hour with Hoppy Kirchable for Marsha Gavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs we'll talk to you tomorrow